Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. My name's Chandra, I'm your host, and I am really excited about today's episode, although I think I say that about just about every episode. I'm excited today though, because it is an interview episode with a fabulous woman that I really love and admire so much about, and I'm excited to find out more about her story and to share with you how she has gotten to where she is now and where she's heading to next. And the interview guest as part of our podcast series of interviewing women who've made significant career change to start to work for themselves after the age of 40, our guest today is the lovely Emma Rhodes. Emma, how are you today and where are you today? Hi, Chandra. I am fabulous today and I'm in Brisbane, uh, just eastern suburbs of Brisbane out near the water. And it's a, uh, it's a glorious, glorious morning. Excellent. And I love the fact that you said that you're fabulous because I think you're pretty fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Emma, you and I have known each other for probably about a year or so now. And I know that one of the first conversations that we had, I remember saying to you, I've got to get you on the podcast. And then, I don't know, life happened and things, time has moved on. But I'm so glad to finally be able to have you on the show to be able to share your story of your journey that's gotten you to where you are now and to get some insights about where you're going to next. So just sort of set things up. Can you just give a little overview of what is it that you regard that you used to do for your career or your work and what do you do now? Yes, well, it's uh, it's great to be here, Chandra, better late than never, right? Yeah. Um, life is life and uh, <laughs> I think what's more important is that you just keep going uh, and it will happen when it happens, so it's great to be here. Uh, look, my previous journey uh, covers quite a few different areas um, and <laughs> it's not your traditional journey at all. Right. So. Um, I've done a mix of business ownership uh, for about 10 years. I had my own small business uh, and then I went back into the corporate world. So I kind of went from corporate in, uh, I was at Telstra uh, and that was in my early twenties. Then I decided to go and have children and that's when I hit the, uh, the business world. And then I went back into corporate uh, more recently, probably in the last five years mm -hmm. uh, and then went through three different management, corporate management roles, um, and then have come back into my own business uh, now. Amazing. It sounds like you've been doing the hokey pokey with um, business ownership and uh, corporate work. And uh, I actually quite like that because a lot of people can make the assumption that you're either all or nothing, or you kind of either just on the career trajectory where you're an employee and you go up the ranks or you're someone that's just, you know, inbuilt with some sort of business ownership, entrepreneurial spark and that you work for yourself and you always work for yourself. So I love the fact that you're someone that can share insights of having um, dance between the two. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, and it's been a range of different styles of dance between the two. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And so the um, the corporate work that you used to do, uh, as you said, it's sort of different um, management leadership roles and some, you know, I guess big ticket corporates. Um, but then what about the early businesses that you got into? Do you feel like you grew up as someone knowing that you really wanted to have your own business? Was that something you were aware of earlier in life or how did that first come about for you? Yeah, absolutely not. I am someone who still doesn't know what they want to be when they grow up um, <laughs> and I've made peace with that. <laughs> Uh, and look, you know, at school, I didn't even get, um, I didn't do enough course, like enough of the lessons, units, sorry, they were called, mm. to even get what was called a TER, you know, uh, to go to university. So uni wasn't even on the cards for me. I didn't want to go, didn't know what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. um, wasn't even going to bother doing work just so I could get one of these rankings um, when I knew I wasn't even going to use it. So from, you know, right through school, I just... Um, yeah, I haven't really had this whole, this is exactly where I want to go. Yeah. Um, so it has, and look, the downside to that is that you just kind of go along with whatever comes through, which is why I think I've done so many different things. And it's mm -hmm. great that I can look back on that now and go, yep, okay, all of that has given me different experience. But I don't have, you know, 30 years of experience in one particular field of operations. So for me, as I move into business, it's really about the way that I, um, uh, the way I look at that and the way I package that up um, versus somebody who's, you know, had the same experience for, you know, 30, 30 odd years or so. So it's never really been something that, yes, I know exactly what I want to do. I know exactly where I'm going. Um, so I came into business when I had my first child. So I was out of the corporate world um, on maternity leave. And I remember going back uh, and I lasted about six months back in that corporate environment. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, it was one day, uh, it was kind of the, the crux. Uh, one day someone, there was this big email that went around and it was someone who was chucking a bit of a hissy fit because somebody who knows who didn't put the, the paper back in the printer you know so we all got this lecture on how to refill the printer no um, are you serious <laughs> i'm absolutely serious and <laughs> it was at this point after you know i'd had my first child i'd like changes and you just kind of your vision of everything um just changes a little bit uh and you start to see things that are really important and paper in the printer was not one of them and I was traveling you know I was traveling into the city uh, at the time so it was like an hour and a half either way to get there my son had been going to daycare so we had daycare fees on top of it and I yeah. just kind of went you know what no nah. <laughs> just no 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 and no so then I thought all right well I still need to get some money to contribute to the household bills what is that and that therefore started my journey of business and what business was and um, and that growth that I've been on has just been phenomenal. There's been so many different things that I've done in that business as well. And so what was that first business for you? I can't remember. I've done so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, a, a, literally a serial entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. But I do know that um, 
you know, using those words very lightly because I also knew that I am someone who gets bored very easily. So once mm-hmm. I was able to do something, I'm like, yeah, great. What's next? I've achieved that. Move on. <laughs> so that sticking power, I really, I knew I had to find a bigger purpose than just going, yep, I've done it, um, which has been my whole growth um, probably over the, oh, I don't even know how many years Um maybe 15 years or so has really been trying to develop that that purpose with business. So there were things like, um, you know, I did Avon, uh, started mm-hmm. with doing you know, Avon brochures. Then I did some multi-level marketing things. Then um, I jumped on to internet marketing. So I learned a lot when we were still on dial-up internet. There was lots of things. Oh, the good old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... There was lots of different things around that that I kind of thought, yeah, great. And I look back on some of them and I think, oh, if I had stuck with that one, <laughs> imagine where I would be right now, you know, with the with the growth of the internet. But every single thing that I did, uh, it gave me a different skill set. Mm-hmm. I surrounded myself with other people, uh, some of them who I am still in contact with now. So I wouldn't change any of it, but there was a lot of different things that I did. Yeah, and I think it's really great that you have shared that perspective of hindsight because I think one of the things that can be really great to do is actually to look backwards. And I don't think we do this enough probably as human beings to look back to see where we've come and what we've done and, and to be able to see the common themes or the through line that perhaps has been there even though there's been maybe an eclectic mix of different things that, that we've done and how in different ways they show up to serve you in whatever you're going to do next. Yep, absolutely. I think you've got that as an example as of someone who um, has perhaps had that meandering stream of a journey and there'll be, I'm sure, lots of examples of, of things that you either know how to do or that you can bring to what you're doing now um, that you can only do because you spent those months or the, that time learning about internet marketing or uh, some other kind of different technology or something. And so what is it that you do now? So now I have a online membership uh, business. It's called Her Corporate Journey. Mm-hmm. And it's about helping corporate women in management to become confident and influential leaders uh, so they can get promotions, uh, they can be heard, and they can really start to uh, make more of an impact in their workplace. Great. Awesome. And so how did you arrive at that being your business focus? A- again, is that something that you feel like you had as a, um, a passion and an interest for a long time, or is it something that's been evolving, or how, how is it that you've got to, to that point? Yeah, definitely not something that's been evolving for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am someone who just kind of goes goes with the flow, but really starts to look around. Uh, and what happened was when I left my business, so I did have a photography business for about 11 years, and that uh, had grown from just me. We had a, a team of four. We had studio. We were doing weddings all up and down the coast, and it got to a point where that business was operating without me, which was what my goal was once I learned about business and uh, how it could be this amazing vehicle, I set about doing that. And I got to that point where I thought, okay, I've achieved everything that I'd set out to achieve. 
what's next? And I got into a business advisory role for uh, the New South Wales State Government, which was really great. Met a range of different people from there, but I wanted more. And I that's when I stepped back into corporate uh, and I stepped into a bank manager role. So I have no financial So you went background. from photography business that was successful up and running for a decade or just over uh, and so did you sell that business or you you just sort of closed up shop you were ready for the next adventure or how did that close out? Yeah, a combination um, of that one. Uh, there, it, there's a bit of a long story behind it, but yes, it was set up to be sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it didn't turn out that way just because uh, I had other, I had staff members involved and mm-hmm. I needed to protect them. So ultimately they took over the business um, from there. Great. And that allowed me to move on. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Awesome. And so you went back into the the corporate as a as, – were you a consultant or you were an employee? No, in the business advisory, I was a – that was a, that's a contract one. So the government actually puts out a contract and a business um, picks up that contract. So mm-hmm. I was employed by a business, however, reported directly to – uh, the government, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Combo. It's just the way that they worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so the business advisory role, how did that leverage, do you think, the experience that you had gathered up until that point? Well, that was really about, I thought I had this passion. Well, I actually do have a passion for helping other people. So mm-hmm. I'm always, if somebody says, oh, I need some help, I'm always the first one to go, yeah, what is it that you need? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just just that's probably the one thing that's been inbuilt in me for a very long time and I I don't know where that came from it's just who I am so the business advisory was I loved business I had been able to create this successful business and I wanted other people to do the same Mm -hmm. so for me it was in this role that I really learned the biggest takeaway from that was that not everybody wants the same thing I want Uh, not everybody wants to go really big people just want to be able to have something that fits in with their lifestyle, pays some bills, uh, that they have a little bit of freedom around, uh, and that's it. And so yeah. for me, uh, that was a big learning for me because I was pushing a lot of people to go, yeah, you know, you can do this and you can do that. And what if we did this? And, and I wasn't really taking the time to listen to what they wanted. So that was the biggest takeaway from that. Um, from that role that I held there in yeah. that advisory space. Yeah, how good. Because I think it is one of those things that that we can get caught up in assuming that what we want is what everybody else wants and also assuming that, oh, you know, to be a legitimate business, you have to hire a lot of team, you have to have a physical space or you've got to have multiple locations or you've got to be doing a certain um, dollar amount in revenue and sales. And I actually agree with you that that's not the case and that you need to be really clear on your own vision of what's okay for you, what fits in with your lifestyle. So I think that's actually a really great learning. Yeah, and that's I went through all of those. Um, I went through – that's how I won so many awards because I kept going, I'm not a proper business until I have this. I'm not a proper business until I do this. Right. Like, this is what I'm seeing. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was all of that. Yeah. And so now with the the membership that you have created, what are some of the challenges that you think that you've faced in getting to that point of being able to create the membership? Oh, look, the biggest one by far was 
uh, I'm not an expert in this. No one's going to listen to me. <laughs> that old chestnut, yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely was the biggest stumbling block for me. And I knew that I had been through three different workplaces and I had been in corporate management and I knew that there, there were, we, our workplaces are broken and mm. it's, it's basically what I say right now and they, they can do better. And I believe they need to step up and be more responsible for the people that come in and work for them. Um, they have a great opportunity to be these amazing places that help enrich our lives, but they actually do it the opposite way. So that's kind of my mission is to change that. And that came through my own personal journey as well. So when I started her corporate journey, this was really about um, helping all of these women to step up and be these agents of change inside their own workplaces. Mm -hmm. And once we have enough of them, they will all start to impact uh, each individual workplace that they, they're in rather than me just doing it one at a time. Yeah. So it was about, okay, well, you know what? I haven't got to this big CEO of a corporate level. You know, who's going to listen to me when I haven't done that myself? So and can I so just check the, around that? Because I think this, you know, I'm not an expert, imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it, voice that, that pops up for so many of us and for women thinking about going into business. What you've described is you have had a, a huge amount of relevant experience and have a lot of value and perspective to add to women that are looking to continue that trajectory up the leadership ranks. What do you think was the marker that you had in your mind that that would have made you an expert? Do you think you knew that or it was just that whatever you'd done wasn't enough? For me, it was that I had to have gone higher in the corporate environment. Right. I, I, so that, that was my thought process until I stopped and I heard that voice and said, yeah, I hear you, but you're wrong because the women that I'm helping, I've already been where they've been. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's enough. Yeah. That's absolutely enough um, for me to help them. Yeah. So... That was my awakening. Uh, and, you know, I don't even know how I got to that either. I do remember driving home one day from the city and I was think it, it came to me, I think I was sitting at a train crossing, waiting for the train. Oh, you were at a crossroads, <laughs> like, a train yes, crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can draw that if you like. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and it just hit me that I thought, hang on, I don't have to be the expert here. I am surrounded by people in this leadership world. I'm going to collaborate with them and I'm going to bring them in to be experts in their field because you know what? They're the ones that have put all that effort and time into. And at the same time, I'm helping women who are stepping up as managers and leaders. I'm also helping people to get in front of the right audience as well. So for mm -hmm. me, again, it comes into this place of helping as many people as yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, it was just this complete win-win. And from that moment of realization, um, it's just been full steam ahead since then. Fantastic. And it's so good because I think that it's very common. I mean, there, there may be examples where it is not the case, but I think that for most of of the women that I've spoken to, certainly when I look at my own experience, that voice of the imposter, you haven't done enough, you don't know enough, it does seem to rear its ugly voice quite a lot. And I feel like it's a significant milestone to arrive at when you can, 
hear that voice and counter it with a different response rather than letting that voice kind of win and go, oh, yeah, you know, that's right, I, I don't know enough, I haven't done enough. One of the ones that for me um, I always remember was I was listening to uh, a mentor of mine. I, I joined a, a program as part of my upskilling and training that I'm always doing because I love it. Uh, and I was noticing that I was having a bit of that that questioning and imposter syndrome about you know who am I to be you know talking on this topic and all of that kind of thing. And what this particular uh, mentor said was she said you don't have to be the be all and end all. You don't have to know everything. You just have to contribute to the conversation. And there was something in the way that she said that that really clicked something for me in a big way. And I will always remember that. And also, obviously, you want to be um, bringing value in the space. So you're not pretending to be something that you're not. But that she also was saying that there, there is someone and there are groups of people that are out there that are waiting to hear your particular flavor of how you explain or share or teach or facilitate whatever the subject matter is and that for whatever reason, they need to hear your voice. They need to hear Emma's take on it. And that's got nothing to do with you being the only source of truth, but it's the combination of all of the, the unique things that brought you to where you are to be able to share that those insights and values and value that you do in the way that you do. Yep, absolutely, spot on. It's it's bigger than me, mm-hmm. and when I really understood that, that by allowing that fear of you know I'm not good enough to stop me from doing uh, from doing anything. I was letting everybody else down yeah. and it was, it had to be bigger than me. And I had to put that aside and go, do you know what? If somebody wants to say to me, well, Emma, you haven't been a CEO. How can you help people be leaders? Uh, you know, the answer is, I don't really care what you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've surrounded myself with enough people to be able to find the answer to help someone that they need. Yeah. I don't go out there and say, I know everything. I call myself this connector. Uh, I'm the one that brings everybody together uh, in order to have this maximum impact in the workplaces, which is what we're after. And that is my space. And I think that that's where all of the previous experience and everything that I I have done sits here. But I also have a diploma of workplace coaching as well. So it's not about, you know, not going and learning the skills you need, because Mm -hmm. that is something I have always also, just like you, invested in myself. Um, and I use that. That is my expertise. That's where I sit and I've designed my business around that part there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really about ultimately my vision is to create better workplaces. My expertise is in this workplace coaching. I have a passion for helping other people. Let's combine it and then fill in the gaps with everybody else that I need along yeah. the way. But nice. don't let those gaps stop you. Yeah, I love that. So you sort of describe there the trifecta of uh being in a place now and I don't doubt that this has taken some time and effort to land on the the combination and the overlap of your vision your expertise and your passion and I think that's really great to get to that point and I the, the final piece is then monetizing it how do you then have uh, that be packaged up in a way that people are prepared to pay for that 
um, service or that solution. So, you know, I think that's a really great kind of way of, of looking at how do you keep refining what it is that you are wanting to be offering through your business and then how do you, you know, turn it into a business by adding the, the financial piece, which we'll get to the financial piece. But I just want to ask you, how have other people in your life in various capacities reacted to your hokey pokey approach and to what you're doing now? Um, they reacted with, um, oh, Emma, Emma, hi, how are you going? What are you doing these days? Um, and then when I would tell them, they're like, oh, my gosh, I just can't keep up with you. So amazing. Um, <laughs> to a combination of, Emma, you are one of the most headhunted people I've ever met. To... Um, Wow, that's really amazing and inspirational that you can just continue to jump from one thing to another. I could never do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, lots of different. Re Those are probably the most common ones that I get. But I remember heading into different networking events. I'm quite a big networker. Mm -hmm. uh, love going and meeting other people. And um, yeah, when you catch up with people you haven't seen for. A couple of months and they would be that that was their reaction you know what, yeah. what are you doing now come mm -hmm. here let's ha let's sit down and have a chat <laughs> yeah yeah so they're almost expecting that whatever you absolutely. were doing last time they saw you you're probably not doing it now absolutely yeah. yeah yeah and look I think it's really interesting and I like to ask that question as part of this interview series because I think some people have shared that they you know had a very supportive network of people around them that were just very much in their corner and and cheering them on others have shared that you know they had a lot of um negative nancies that were the doomsdayers of of sort of saying that you know that wasn't very smart to do or or financially didn't make sense or whatever so i think that it's worth sharing the fact that there can be a whole range of different responses from others because you making the decisions and taking action to follow a passion to create a business that really works for you is going to potentially be triggering for other people. And so they'll respond in different ways, whether it's admiration or fear, because they can't imagine actually doing that for themselves. So I think it's good to be aware that not everyone's going to necessarily be a cheerleader uh, and that that's okay. So totally okay. My mother doesn't even know what I do anymore and um, I don't think she even really bothers to find out. She's like, I, I, Emma, I just don't know what it is that you do. So I just say that you're doing really well. I'm like, yeah. thanks, mum. Thanks, mum. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and look, I have so had the people say to me, I remember I did a name change in my business as I was transitioning from just me into a, a team of people. I had this longer, longer vision. And I remember a very important, um, well, not important, but quite um, influential businessman saying, why did you do something like that? You had a great brand. That was the most stupidest thing I've ever seen a business person do. Um, mm, you know, and that harsh. really floored me because I was, yeah, and I was like, oh, whoa. Uh, but, you know, I, I think I was too stunned to even bother to come back and, mm -hmm. and you know, defend myself in that situation. Um, and then I kind of thought, you know what, you've got no idea what I'm doing mm -hmm. uh, and why I'm doing what I'm doing. So you can, you know, keep that um, opinion. That's all well and good. That's yours. Doesn't um, doesn't concern me. And look, that's tough. There There is always going to be people who think you should have done things the other way. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you really need to develop that 
I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, and you really need to start to be a little bit of that rock in the river because if you continue to go with what everybody's telling you, you won't end up anywhere other than over the waterfall. Uh, yeah. So it's about, you know, holding true. And if you've got those three things, if you know, you know, where your expertise lies, if you've got a passion, you know what you're doing, then the rest will all come into play. Like you're not supposed to know everything. Um, but if you keep those as your rocks, then all of that water will just wash over you um, and they will continue on their way and you will stay where you need to be. Mm. So interesting, isn't it, when you know we have experiences like that of other people kind of projecting their opinion. And I think it's an interesting balance, as you said, around being sure enough of yourself and what it is that you're envisaging always get tongue-tied on that word, envisaging for yourself and for your business in the future and to not get the shiny object syndrome or caught up and distracted by seeing what other people are doing and telling yourself, oh, I have to do that now because that person's doing it, but really kind of staying the course or being the rock in the river, as you just said, of who who you're wanting to be, what you're trying to create. And then there is that piece of knowing that your your what your your vision of what you want is yours and who you are and your personal brand around what you want to be known for what would make you proud of etc that's that's yours to own and then there will be things that you don't know exactly as you said you won't know everything and for those things finding the right people or courses training whatever the gap is to be able to learn from others. And I think that's a, an interesting balance that people have to find for themselves about when do they follow their own instinct versus when do they, I guess, take the shortcut, the fast track by learning from people who are perhaps further down the road than they are. And I think that's a really interesting one. I know for myself, I uh, probably over-invested in the early days in some things. And then there's other times where um, you know, it was a real stretch for me to make a decision to invest in getting a coach or a, a mentor or doing a particular course. But I knew that if I really wanted to create the type of business I see for myself in the future, then these pieces of the puzzle, I needed to know how this particular marketing strategy worked. I needed to be able to learn about copywriting. I needed to be able to learn some of these things. And so that's where I... I feel like it's the wise decision to take the direction from others but not when it comes to other people telling you what you should do in terms of what you're creating i don't know if that makes sense does it make sense yeah it certainly does make sense and i think the distinction can be uh you know internal and external so skills will always be learned so mm -hmm. when we look at people about uh, i talk to managers about developing their team and hiring the right people you don't hire them for skills as such because skills can be taught. You're hiring them for who they are on the inside. And the same thing happens when you're in business. You're in business for who you are on the inside. What is it that you are trying to change? What's your impact in the world? Where does your expertise lie? And then how you, as you said before, how you monetize that, how you take that out to the world is all skills-based. And there are so many different ways on how you can do that. Yeah. And that's where 
you can start to experiment and learn and you know join the different programs surround yourself with different people try new things my gosh i have tried so many different ways um to monetize lots of different things um that it's that's the part that you might get um where your grit or your resilience might come into play. So you might think, great, this is the the business model that I'm going to run with, but it turns out it might not be the right one. So you try a different one. But Mm -hmm. ultimately the thing that stays true is what you want to achieve, what your field of expertise is, what you're bringing to that, what that whole purpose is. So as long as you keep that, then that's an internal internal piece. Yeah. Everything else outside of that is external and their skills and they can be taught and learned from a range of different people. Mm, nice. I like it. And, I, and I'm, I think it's really good to have shared that because I think sometimes people, when they get to that point of thinking that they might want to do their own business, that there's that um, paralysis that can kick in of feeling like, well, until I know all the pieces of the puzzle or until I know exactly how it's going to be, I'm not going to take any kind of action. And I feel like that can be a bit of a trap. I know I've certainly in the early days, you know, probably procrastinated planned and, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, on the behind the scenes thing rather than actually just going out and having the conversations, doing the networking, as you said, to sort of be connecting with different people. And I'm now someone who is an advocate for having a bias towards action because I think action gives you feedback about what's working what's not what do you want to keep tweaking what um might be time for a a slight redirection uh, if you're not actually enjoying it and identifying the difference between discomfort of doing something for the first time or that needs to be done versus actually this is not the kind of life that i'm wanting to create for myself and i think it's it's a ongoing process of you know, self-discovery and self-awareness to be able to make those distinctions about am I being caught up by external factors of what other people say I should do or am I being driven by that internal knowing of who I am, who I want to be and what I'm trying to create and contribute? The most important part with that is to surround yourself with the right people who mm-hmm. are who understand where you're going. Yeah, great. And you mentioned earlier that uh, you're a big networker. What do you think about for people that perhaps don't really like the idea of networking? I definitely am someone that falls into that camp. I would avoid it. I would tell myself in the early days, oh, you know, you should go to that thing. But I just really couldn't be bothered. I think that I am an introvert that has learned to be extrovert, but I can really easily talk myself out of things even though, you know, once I get there, I'll probably have a good time and connect with a couple of people. But not everyone particularly enjoys networking. How, how do you approach it? So I am a very big introvert, um, even though I enjoy networking. And the thing with the networking is, yes, it absolutely takes me uh, some courage and guts to get there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I had my photography business, I used to hide behind my camera. And I would be able to push into circles and go, oh, hi there, I'm Emma, I'm just getting a photo. And, you know, that really kind of took me out of that comfort zone a bit. Mm -hmm. So um, for a while there, I, even though I didn't have a camera in hand, I was still able to, uh, to go up and just, you know, I had to have something in my hand that was (laughs) generally a drink or there was a glass of water or a glass of wine or something. And I would, 
uh, go up and say, oh, oh, hi, how are you going? I'm Emma. Um, but the thing is, is I pushed myself into different scenarios to do that. So right. I joined, you know, the local BNI group. So every once a week we, we did that. We stood up and we networked and um, we spoke about ourselves. I kept forcing myself to do it. There were times where I would go in there and I would stay for about 15 minutes and turn around and leave because I just couldn't do it anymore. So yeah. don't be so hard on yourself about it. There are times where you know it's going to be great, other times where you don't. But go in with a plan. Understand that uh, you don't know anyone. There are other people who don't know anybody else and they're not going to tell you to go away when you walk up to a group and say, oh, hi, I'm Emma. <laughs> And if they do, you can kind of go, okay, cool. Go I want to talk to you anyway. It's so interesting that you say that because it's like when you can step back and think about it rationally and ask yourself, what do you really think is the worst thing that is going to happen? And, you know, does that go back to childhood experiences of, you know, kids in the playground not wanting to play with us or something? But it's like really what is the worst that can happen in a networking, a professional networking environment? But there is that fear that can take over. So I'm glad to hear that you are, um, you know, also an introverted person that doesn't, you know, kind of high-five yourself when you know that you've got to go to a networking thing that day um, and, and that you've kind of persevered through that. When yep. you you think about this particular iteration of the business where you've now landed on, what are some of the big challenges that you think that you have worked through or that you've faced to, to get yourself to where you are now? The biggest thing would be uh, getting out of my own way. So knowing that, uh, yeah, I don't know everything and I don't have to know everything. So that piece we spoke about before of not having to be the expert, that's probably the hardest thing that mm -hmm. I've really had to get through because mm -hmm. we're taught in school that, you know, you've got to go and you only listen to the people who have been there before you. Um, and it's something that we've been, society really has has put into, put into play. You know, that's why you go and... Um, you know, you go to the people with that expertise in particular areas, but the people who have been through the journey generally have a lot more to offer than someone who has just gone through and studied a course because mm. I liken it to uh, when I talk to my community of women, I say to them, if you read 50 to 100 books, I don't even know if there is that many, but on how to swim, <laughs> can you swim? And the answer is no. Yeah. You can't swim from just reading a book. You have to get in that water. And when you get in that water, then everything you've read kind of starts to come back. You start to think, okay, yeah, I've got to put my feet here. I've got to lay on my back. You know, I've got to do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's not until you get in and start doing it that you will actually learn anything. So true. And I think uh, because I'm currently immersed in our new puppy project, that also applies where I read so many ebooks. The breeder sent us this massive kind of Dropbox folder full of resources that we had to read or videos to watch and checklists of things to do and buy and all of that. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm so all over this. But then you, you have this real life furball that you're suddenly responsible for and you're trying to deal with you know, whatever the toilet training and the crate training and the, you know, the food and all of this stuff. And it's like that, that theory is out the window until yeah. you kind of push through and go, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
what am I supposed to be doing again? <laughs> now, and, and that you can pick that up. And I can so see that too from a leadership perspective. And when I think back to some of my experiences of both amazing leaders, I, I'm lucky to say that I had, I would say, a very small handful of really fantastic leaders. And I also had a couple of healthy handfuls of people that definitely demonstrated really poor leadership and I, I think that um, is a, an example of where it's not until push comes to shove or you're, you're really faced with a real work-life situation, that's where true leadership characteristics show. And so the theories are there, I guess, from the reading and study and things like that. But until you're, you know, in the fire, so, that, so to speak, that's really where you get to test things out and to sort of show up to be the kind of leader that you want to be. Yeah, and so I, I really think when, when we look at getting out of our own way, it's this experience that you've got to give somebody else. That's, mm. where, that's where you as starting a business or, you know, in these early stages of having a business and this fear comes up of I'm not good enough or why would people listen to me? I don't know enough. I need to go and do another course. Yeah. Um, get it out of the way because the experience is going to be more valuable to people um, around you and the people that you're trying to help. Yeah. So, Emma, it's clear to me and I think it's really interesting that I can see that you do have a wealth of knowledge to share and that even though you are seeing your role as being one as a connector between your community that who are the women wanting to continue their their leadership journey and then you connecting them with other experts i definitely see you as an expert as a trusted advisor because of your experience in both business and in the corporate space so you know i'm really excited for you that you've landed on this particular um, combination of, of, you know, your experience and your passions that is now the, um, the, the membership model that you are working with. So if, if somebody's listening and they want to find out more about you and uh, the, the membership and how to, to tap into that, where can they go? How do they find out more? Uh, the best place is the website, which <laughs> is hercorporatejourney.net. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we're on socials as well great and i'll make sure that we put links to uh, the website and socials on the show notes so it's easy for people to just click and find you uh so they can just tap in and get more of your uh excellent wisdom thanks (laughs) so any final (laughs) thoughts emma on uh tips that either things that you wish that you knew earlier or did earlier anything that you think that we haven't covered yet that would be your final thoughts for someone who's listening who perhaps has an idea of of wanting to pursue a a passion that they have or an interest to create a business that actually better suits their lifestyle or the sort of lifestyle they want to create for the future what sort of final thoughts or tips have you got for them i would say that life is too short Mm -hmm. to let fear get in your way you have enough already. You are enough already. Uh, surround yourself with the right people uh, that can help lift you up. But don't let another day go by without giving it a go because, um, yeah, life's just too short to not do it. Yeah, and I think that seems to be a real common theme from feedback from this year. And, you know, we're approaching the goal for this year was to do 40 interviews with women 
that have made this significant career change after the age of 40 and, and I think this is like interview 37 or something so um, I feel like there's definitely a common theme about you know being willing to confront the fear and I don't know if there's anything that can be said or done to make that any easier but I feel like my mission is to just continue to have this theme come through to have the conversations to share these stories so that people can hear that oh everybody pretty much is afraid and it doesn't mean that you don't take any steps because in fact the way through the fear is actually through taking action because then it's not as unknown or you get more information that helps you make the next decision so if you're listening to this and you're thinking oh i really i have this idea and i'm afraid awesome you're in exactly the right spot everybody feels that way before you then take the next step and the next step and i think that that's uh, something that hopefully um, people can take away from not just this episode but some of the others uh, as well uh, and you know that fact about that life is being too short i feel like 2020 has been such a whew, crazy you know shizen year in many respects it's also opened up a lot of possibility a lot of time for reflection i think one of the things that I think has happened is that people start to really question in a more meaningful way if what they're doing in their life and in their work is actually what they really want to do. And so I encourage people that, you know, if you've got even a tiny little inkling that, hey, maybe you, you can't see yourself continuing doing what you're doing now for another five years or 10 years, then start now to explore and get curious about what the next thing might be. You don't have to know everything but just to give that little idea a bit of breathing room to evolve I think is is something that would be taking a leaf out of out of your book Emma of, of just kind of being prepared to try different things and learn different things and give it a go and bring all your prior knowledge with it that's going to help you in some way even though you might not be able to see it as you're moving forward uh, you can definitely see it with hindsight absolutely clarity comes on the other side of action yeah love it uh, yeah and I remember uh, one of my mentors saying to me when I was talking about how I was doing so many different things all the time you know it it wasn't a good look on my resume and uh -huh. um, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I've been there I've done all of this stuff <laughs> and um, and she had said no Emma uh, you are one of the people who have the courage to at least peek out over the nest and see what else is around there. So don't ever lose that. So oh, for all nice. of you out there who are just thinking, keep keep thinking, keep peeking out over the nest, keep building that passion for I, you know, I'm meant for something more. We're going to do something better because by doing that, you will actually help uh, everybody else out there who needs someone like you as well. Yeah, beautiful. I love that idea of peeking out over the nest. I really like that as a way of just being even a little bit curious about it um, to see what you'll see, what, what catches your eye, what you're interested by. And I think, you know, in, in final thoughts, you know, to remember that there is someone and probably a whole group of someones who are out there waiting to hear what you have got to say, to, to see what you have got to share and that you're the person that they want to learn from. And so the longer it takes you to get things up and running, the longer that person is potentially not, you know, at creating the results that you can help them create. And I think that can be uh, another great leverage point of realizing that there is, there's a whole audience of people that are waiting for you. Even if you tell yourself, oh, there's already 14 different, you know, 
productivity organizers or whatever your business is going to be, there may well be lots of other people that are in the same kind of industry or offering a similar service, but there's no one that's got your particular combination of and flavor of experience and, and values and, and background that only you are uniquely placed to, to share that and there's people that want to hear from you. So uh, Emma, I think you're a, a great um, ambassador for people taking an experimental approach and just getting in, taking action, learning as you go, tapping into your networks and being you know, willing to face the fear and peek out over the nest. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Emma, thank you so much for making time for this interview. I'm really glad that we were able to get um, to do this and to share your story. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Shonda. I love chatting to you. That's it for another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. But before you go, I just want to tell you about a great new free resource. If you are early in your business and you want to make sure that you're focusing on the right things at the right time to make sure that your business is profitable as quickly as possible, then you want to go and grab a brand new ebook that I have created, which is called the top four priority focus areas for a profitable first year in business. In this ebook, I have compiled experience and insights from my over five years in business, as well as from more than 40 interviews with successful women in business and conversations with other women in business that are in my network. And I have summarized all that experience into the top four areas that you need to focus on so you can really create a business that delivers the kind of income and lifestyle that you're looking for. You can get that ebook for free at thetransitlounge.com forward slash top four. I'll be sure to put the link to that into the show notes to make it easy for you to get. So go get it, have a read, then come and join the private Facebook group and tell me which one of the four areas do you think you would benefit from more help with? I'll look out for your comment in the group. Have a great week.